Hello and welcome to the Presenter Mastery Podcast. I'm Lucas, the amateur. And I'm David, the expert. And together, we're your weekly guides to unlocking the power of presenting skills. And in today's episode, we are talking about a topic that I find really challenging. And that's how to handle a silent audience. Ooh, what an exciting topic you've chosen for today, Lucas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people share that. That's horrible, right? Yeah, well, basically the thing is, you're on stage, you're talking about a subject you're passionate about, you're looking out, and there is no reaction. Yeah. There's no laughing, yeah. there's no frantic taking of notes, mm -hmm. it's just starey eyes looking back at you. Yeah, there you go. Horrible feeling. Horrible. Yes, it can be, yeah, depending on the way you perceive and look at it. It seems like you have an example of this. Well, it, yeah, yeah, You've got I, PTSD I yeah, written yeah. over your entire forehead. <laughs> well, I think I come from a background where I, for several years, stood on stage. I was singing, I was doing music. Oh, you were and good. I saw a video of you that your mother sent to Oh, me. yes, and we're, uh, maybe we're we, going to, yeah. <laughs> we're going to watch that on the company. Uh, yeah, we can do that on Friday. On Absolutely, company, yeah, on 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes, so I came from a background where on stage, well, you, when you're singing, you're playing music, usually if you're playing something good, then you see, you get an immediate audience reaction. Yeah. And I guess in a way, when I went on to stand on stages in front of either colleagues or I was out presenting, doing le lecture work on, 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 uh, on service, I kind of maybe was, th that was the thing that I was, that was my, what do you call it? The the the, the my my comparison, mm -hmm. right? And and speaking on stage and, and being at a rock concert, obviously, it's two different things. But this is now we're sitting here in December. We're about to have a company conference on Friday. One year ago, we had a company conference in the same room, and we were launching. We had launched Presenter Mastery, and I was going to present how our marketing and sales funnel worked, and everything from the intricate part of how do we even decide on a, on an ad how where do we put it and then walking through all of the different steps and while doing this we had our small team of 10 sitting here and i didn't get any reaction at all and this was the thing that i had been working really hard on and that we were going to be working even harder on for the upcoming year and I started second guessing the things that I was saying. Is this interesting or are they sitting there thinking, hmm, this shit doesn't make sense, you know? <laughs> All of these questions started arising in my head. And then I know you leaned towards Alexander, our head coach in the program, and whispered something in his ear, which was just, I was so tensed up in this moment, I could see the smallest thing happening in the room. So I just stopped and like, what, what, what is it? What, what, what is not working? You know, and and your answer was, well, no, we we just think it's so exciting and this is this is so cool. We're just so excited for the, this upcoming year. Mm. And where I was in my head, I I was happy that you said it, but also, like, is this true? <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you even doubted that. Yes, yeah. yes, basically because it. And I think the, the 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 big pain for me is speaking in front of people that are just 
non-reactive. Yeah. And it's why are they non-reactive? I mean, mm. you you've been in, in situations exactly the same, I guess. Yeah. And it could be. I understand that it, the subject can be super interesting or it's mm. very intricate and it's hard a lot of information to take in so you're just sitting there f- being fed information yeah and then it's hard to be expressive and i didn't surely i didn't plan any race of hands or or, or i didn't put in a joke to to get mm. any reaction but it just all these things made it feel tough for me and it's it's something that i'm still a little bit afraid of will happen now on Friday <laughs> if I do another corporate yeah. presentation. Like, how do I even go about <laughs> doing it the right? You know, but it, it's I understand that it's all in my head. It, yeah. Obviously, it is because yeah. well, you found it interesting, and the things that we've been doing this year have really been working. Yeah. So I know that I didn't talk shit. Like yeah. it, it worked. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah, this yeah. was the plan, and and it's it's really been working. Yeah. So I shouldn't feel that way, no, but even though I do. That is true. That is true. And it comes down to our perception of success, right? And uh, to make that clear to everyone, we'll just ask ourselves what is what is the perception of success in life right? mm. based on Western standards. Well, success in life based on Western standards is that you live in a house, you, um, you have kids, you've got a functioning marriage, you earn money, got a nice car and your kids are in activities or something like that you know like there's a definition of western success but when that door closes and they don't see you is your marriage happy do you feel good are you in a good space are you a happy person why isn't that a measurement of success because the person outside doesn't see that. The person sees what's possible to see. But what's more important, is it more important to have all those visual factors of success or is it more important to be satisfied and happy with your partner, with your life, uh, mental state-wise? I'd argue the second. Because I lived as, you know, in a depression for so, so long. I had everything a success would define me to have. Like, Cool sports cars, massive house, uh, yeah, money to spend. That wasn't success. That was the Western version of success. I was mm-hmm. successful. I was, uh, I was as far as from successful in my head as I could be. And you know? I was the saddest person alive. I felt like mm. it's kind of success on a paper, but life isn't a paper. Life is real. Yeah, mm. there you go. And this is the same thing. So we have been brainwashed by society to define success in a particular way. When it comes to presentations, we've we've uh, been either brainwashed, and it doesn't have to even be. It can even be like one instance, one bad presentation you had in ninth grade when you were fourteen. That single thing could be defined as brainwashing. That single thing set your definition of success for a presentation. So, what is the definition of success for a presentation in the average human being? Like, um, if we perceive successful presentations, what? are we expecting from the audience well some sort of reaction it's a reaction yeah okay so you'd say reaction any kind of reaction that you'd like Uh, as a as a measurement of success of the presentation okay yeah 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 yeah, 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 yes what is the definition of 
the again maybe then the, the western version of success for uh, from an audience well applause applause reaction mm. what else mm. a bit of laughter a bit of laughter uh, yeah, not bad yeah yeah okay. you should put put that in mm. um note taking Ooh, note taking mm. okay mm. all right right yeah and a high five afterwards <laughs> well then that's after them but we're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. what's happening there and then so mm. if you do a del- if you deliver a presentation now on friday yep and people are taking notes and they're applauding you <laughs> i have a lot of rules for my president i hear it <laughs> uh, they're laughing <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're showing reactions mm. then you're good mm. okay now that is that is your learned expression of success in an audience and mine was very very similar i had the same kind of learned impression of what success from an audience is but I have met so many audiences and I can just say you that's not true. You know, that is just, uh, and there's various things. Like one thing that affects it is what do you do as an audience member if what you are hearing is so mind-blowing that you're even forgetting to react? You're just consuming what's being said. I've had that happen to me a number of times and I'm like, why am I getting no reaction? I'm doing my jokes and not really laughing. I'm doing exercises, but I don't get the sound. I'm not getting the emotional reaction I was expecting. But when they come up after, they go like, and I've honestly had people then say this to me. They look at me and they go like, I, um, I don't even know where I was. I was so involved in your presentation, I, I forgot that I was even in the room. Okay, no reaction, absolutely silent audience. So that's one version which you need to accept that if there's 100 people there, you may have 40 which are just baffled by your, by your delivery, your content, to such an extent that they forget that they're there and therefore they don't react. So that's one of the reasons. Culturally, I went to Singapore. And to me, this was a horrible experience because I went up on stage, there were 600 people sitting in the audience. And uh, there was uh, like a majority from an, from particular Asian com- uh, countries. And I delivered my keynote. And uh, I didn't get any reaction in my attention grabber. I usually do. And then I did a bunch of spices I usually get uh, a laughter, I usually get response. And my expectation of their appreciation was just wrong because I got nothing. So my solution to this was to dial up my game. So I was all over the stage. I was doing full-out role-play, you know, hardcore synchronicity. I was hitting oxytocin, so I almost I felt myself cry. I went down on stage on my knees. You know, I, I was freaking amazing, man. But nothing helped. And I left that stage and I'm like, I traveled to Singapore. <laughs> I did this. I got no reaction. And I stood there. And then a person came up. Another person, another person, another person. And after a while, there was a queue of about 30, 40 people. And they were mesmerized. Their comments of admiration was just insane. 
But from their cultural perspective, when I asked them, they said that we don't show emotions publicly, maybe mm. like you're used to. So imagine now that you have 100 people, 40 are just baffled by you, maybe five or 10 of them uh, are culturally, or even more. Like that's not, we live in Sweden, right? A lot of Swedes, when you ask them, how was Christmas? They go, eh. well, you know, it was okay. You know, we're trained to not show emotion. Mm. So you could literally have not just particular people from particular parts of Asia, which maybe by culture have trained not to show emotion in public, but you have Swedes to do that as well. Mm. You have British people that do that. So you have 40 there baffled by how amazing you are. You have 30 which don't show emotion because they've never done that. Their parents didn't show them how to do it. So you got a bunch of those. So there are various reasons to why people behave in the way that they do. And an exciting thing with audiences is that it's always down to the collective force of it, right? So if you have an audience where they find it's you... I've found this particular in certain companies where you had a boss who's recruited a particular kind of people. Mm. And then you can get those... You can get them laughing so easily. Like in MLM, you know what that is? Mm, So kind of... Multi-level marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Though the people that attend to those events are usually the people who have an easy time showing emotion for some reason. Every single such event, you know, the expectation of their appreciation will be absolute reaction. You'd love to be there, man. Mm. There will be applause. There will be laughter. There will be amazing reactions. So what I want to come down to is this, that it's the... Um, it's just an incorrectly set expectation, exactly as success in life isn't about the money or the car or the wife mm. or the man. And uh, success in a presentation isn't about gaining laughter and uh, getting reactions and getting people to take notes because you don't know where they are, their headspace. Maybe one or two of them had a bunny that died that morning. How much can you ask from them? Huh? Yeah. Can't ask too much. <laughs> no. They'll be tired. They'll be a bit unfocused. It's not on you. So yeah, it's, um, and and so the conclusion of that then is this, the only true measurement of success is, did you enjoy yourself? Because if you enjoyed yourself and if you were happy in your presentation, if you leave and you go like, damn, I had fun. Mm. Damn, I got to try that skill. I got to try that spice. And I got to do that interaction with them. Mm. And that's your measurement of success. Did you have fun? It is very, 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 very likely that they had fun as well. True. So. Yeah, if, all, if, if my entire presentation is built upon that I need to get reactions in the way that I'm expecting in my head, mm. then that will be harder than just focusing on having fun, delivering what I truly believe is interesting and yeah. important and the things that I just, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a it's a very clear difference mm. within the feeling uh, inside me and from what I'm thinking of doing on Friday, just having fun with it yeah. instead of just... I think I... I I'm 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 like a lot of people. I, I I do have a lot of performance issues in my mind where I I expect a lot of things from myself, mm. and then I also deliver 
yeah. on those promises. Yeah. I need to because yeah. I've th- those are the rules I've set for myself. Yeah. Uh, but it's also easy to uh, lose track of what I'm doing. Not not in the sense of like unfocused, but just being so focused on getting that reaction mm. that if I don't get it, then that's a failure. Yeah, and that's very hard by definition. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, and I hear you, man. And it's just a question of um, of trying new things. So try that on Friday. Yeah, just uh, go in there, and you have fun. Because if you have fun, you laugh, right? True. If you have fun, you'll do role play. If you have fun, you may even be bring the guitar and do like a little three-minute session about funnels mm. in a song. The funnel song. Yeah, the funnel song. <laughs> would you have fun doing that? Uh, maybe not. I think <laughs> you would. <laughs> I you could en- have fun, but there's that performance <laughs> part. <laughs> you enjoy entertaining. <laughs> but every single time, you like the, the we always say that in Presenter Mastery, that the closest uh, relative to performance is anxiety. Mm. Because as soon as you don't, you feel that you don't perform, Mm. you won't go to like a lesser level of performance. No, you'll shoot straight off to anxiety, Mm. anxiousness. And that will impact your performance massively. True. But fun can't take that away from you. Like what would happen then? What would be the, the effect if you don't have fun? What will happen? You won't get anxiety. You won't have anxiousness. You'll just be bored. Mm, yeah. Mm. So just have more fun then. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but definitely need to focus more on having fun and less on the performance. Yeah. Or the bunny technique. The, what is the bunny technique? Yeah. You look out into the audience and you ask yourself, wonder whose bunny died today. <laughs> Because you don't know, literally, do you? You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's uh, yeah. My uh, my bunny died this morning. My family's bunny died. Oh. It's a it's a but it's a yeah. I didn't pressure you to say that. You know? No, it's all right. It's all right. But I like the new technique I just came up with, the bunny technique. <laughs> because I think it's interesting, you know, to ask yourself because you think you got these ideas about people's behaviors based on their facial expressions. It's never true. I've done this mm. for twenty years. You know, like when people come up, you can have the most strained person sitting there with no facial expression and looks they want to kill you and they come up after and you're like that was amazing Mm. that was great Mm. i don't know how many times that happens to me you cannot tell no no but it it is very true that that just looking at a person you will never know what they ate for breakfast no you will not know what route they took to work or whatever happened in their life it's just impossible Mm. so what goes on inside a human another human's mind is just their stuff yeah and um, i can control the things that i feel the things that i think about myself mm. and how that i i allow it to affect my performance yeah or if having fun instead of just being performing yeah yeah exactly i like that focus you know the uh, we talk about focus questions right mm. focus questions in the uh, in the pdc model presenter and delivering content in presenters about mindset and within mindset there's something called focus questions and a focus question we often bring up as an example is where you ask yourself what's wrong with the stuff in 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 your room so if you're driving your car at the moment or if you're at the tube or wherever you are if you look around yourself and you look for for whatever's wrong around you just 
do that for 10 seconds, like go. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Now go, what's fantastic with that? Do that for 10 seconds. Just go around. What's fantastic with that? What's fantastic with that? These are called focus questions and they will feel differently. Like the first one will make you feel a little bit less happy and the other one will make you feel more happy and you'll see things you haven't seen before. And it's the same thing that you said to yourself. How can I perform? How can I make them laugh? That's a focus question. And it's of the same nature as what's wrong with that. Mm. It's the same nature. Yeah. How can I perform? How can I do that? Uh, how can I make them laugh? It's a, it's a performance-based question. And uh, my suggestion then is, would be, how can I have more fun? Right? Can I walk in, out into the audience? You know, Don't care about the reaction, just go for it. Mm. All right, you've got, you can't be narcissistic where you go like, I'm going to do lap dances and stuff here because <laughs> I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to work. <clears throat> uh, but then the, another focus question is, how can I make them grow as much as possible? So for a long time, I had a focus question which went, how can I earn as much money as possible? How can I charge as much as possible? So that was a big part of my being until I hacked my depression. Imagine that. Just imagine that for a moment, Lucas. You go to um, a car salesman and the only thing in his head is how can I make more money? How can I sell this car for as much as possible? How can I sell as many add-ons as possible? How can I sell the car model that I earn most money on, not the one that you want? Mm. Right? Can you picture that person? Now you picture the other person which has the focus question of how can I help you the most? You as a human being. So you come into the same place and this person meets you. His entire purpose is this. Which car meets your purpose best? Which mm -hmm. car will you be happiest with in one year, two years, three years? Which add-ons will be best for you as a family father? Mm -hmm. Which one do you want to meet? Well, the second one. By far, right? Yeah. By yeah. far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do you want to be on stage? Second one. Second one. <laughs> so a person that goes up with a focus question of um, how can I get more booked? How can I earn more money? Um, instead of just shifting that to how can I make them grow as much as possible during my mm -hmm. keynote? How can I give it everything? How can I bring out those metaphors, those stories to give them everything? Something changes in your head when you do that. Uh, again, how can I perform is very egoistic. Mm brings out a lot of dopamine but not a lot let not a lot other of other stuff but if you go how can i help them oxytocin is produced which is a calming neurosubstance focus questions controls us a lot we do a lot of that training in presenter mastery mm. but i think this is an interesting subject and those are a couple of good examples yeah it is and, and it's so powerful to look at how can i help you how mm. can i make you grow in that sense, where I just had a conversation this morning with one of our our coaches uh, around uh, for the presenter mastery program, and mm -hmm. where it is all about: is this a good fit for you? Mm -hmm. And to understand and, and be able to answer that question: is this program the thing that really will help you grow? Yeah, we need to understand what is the actual problem, because if we just barely scrape the surface, then the, a person can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm presenting data and I need help just making that more interesting. And then you can talk about that. Mm -hmm. But then if you don't dive down deeper, you won't understand if it's actually a time efficiency problem, a time management problem, or just maybe that 
they don't have an accountability partner. They don't set specific times per week. And if they had, then all of the other things would just fall into place. Yeah. So example, for example, in this case, it would be very easy to talk about like okay, on Wednesdays, we do our coaching calls in the program. And that's the time where you will show up. It's your presentation Wednesday. Wednesdays are the di- days <laughs> that you work on your presentations, where you look into your data, where you build your stories, connect them to that and make them interesting. And then the program is a much better fit for the person and they will actually get help with that specific problem that they have. And mm. that's the reason why you should get the program and not just very flat at the surface level because there's no well it just makes more sense yeah i can i can see that a lot another example of of that would be a person coming to me who says i uh can you teach me how to deliver uh, how to build better powerpoints all right yeah sure i can do that but then again i'll have to ask myself why mm. why do you want to build better powerpoints and the reason was actually that they're so nervous and that they, they, they don't have the nerve to just stand there without a PowerPoint. They're so nervous that they need the PowerPoint to hide behind. Mm. So the problem wasn't the PowerPoint. I can help them with that. But their real problem was nerves. Mm. And if I help them with that, then they can use flip charts, whiteboards, role play, props, in your audience interaction. Boom, you got an entire new level of a presentation. But if I just gone, as you said, mm. if our coaches would just go with their first, with a first and a person's first instinctive need, that may not be right. Oh, question, Emil. Uh, so what do you do if if the audience is not reacting to you at all? Is there any good example of when you actually got them to turn around if they were maybe bored by a previous speaker and you came on and you upward the mood? Yeah. Maybe talk a bit about that. Cool, yeah. Well, the technical reason could be carbon dioxide levels, right? You have to sort of intertwine the, the, uh, the question in but, some way. Too. Well, we're talking to you now. This is Emil. He's hey, a cool Emil. technician. Yeah. He's who helps us out getting this pot out to you all. Mm. And it's a good question from Emil. Yeah, well, the, I, I guess the question that I also am thinking in my head, is a silent, silent audience really a problem? Because what you basically said was that focus on having fun and doing the things uh, that you were hired or, or asked to do on stage. And that being silent might be due to cultural differences. It might be that they're just baffled by what you're saying. It might be a n- number of things. So is a silent audience really a problem and should you try to tackle it mm. well from a scientific point of view carbon dioxide levels could be like up to 1500 2000 ppms you'll have a silent audience it doesn't matter how good you are practically because their brains are fighting for survival more mm. or less and they have to get rid of the carbon dioxide so some rooms that i've delivered presentations in have had so let's say bad quality air that the people just didn't have the energy to have any reactions. So if, you, if I walk into a room like that, I'm like, the, my first priority is like, how can I fix the room quality or the, the air quality in this room? I had a conference actually where the, where I walked, I, I did the conference and I think it was like a four, day, four hour workshop. We went on for an hour and then I went like, hmm, carbon dioxide levels are too high. 
And the, why, the reason I knew this and the reason I'd learned how to know how that feels is that I was carrying a carbon dioxide measurement device with me wherever I went. So I was, uh, I was, I was documenting every... My, my idea was this, because I was doing so many trainings in Sweden, my idea was to, to document every conference I went to to be able to post a top 10 list of best aired conference rooms in mm. Sweden. That was my plan. I was going to do this over a year. <laughs> and uh, I never posted it uh, because I realized that I'd never be able to go through all the, the conference rooms. But I, I definitely managed to get down like a top 10 list of my own favorites. Anyhow, this place sucked. And the, uh, the carbon dioxide was really bad. So I called down to the reception. They were like, yeah, no, 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 the air is good. We can see the... Uh, the air conditioning is on. We can't do anything more. But like, I'm, I'm, you know, you're kidding me. You know, the carbon dioxide levels seem too high. You know, no, 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 they're good. They're good. They're good. Can I open a window? No, no, you can't. No, you can't. You know. Okay, but oh god. All right, I'm coming down to you. So I went down to them with the carbon dioxide meter, and I'm like in their in their face. <laughs> Read the measurement. I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, that's a carbon dioxide measurement device. Why do you have one? <laughs> Why do you have one like that? I'm like, do you see this? Mm. 2,200. Mm. That's almost illegal. Uh, according to building standards, it should be at least two, uh, below 1,800. Mm. Or uh, 1,800 is, is the standard, mm. which is way too high. Mm. It should be f- like 600. Mm. So yeah, they had to fix it. So that could be a scientific reason for why the audience is... is just down mm. and the other one is that the, the, you could have had a presenter just prior to you they could have had an entire day which is very common when you have company work company conferences mm. and then be just sad bad powerpoints for six hours people are so tired they've even you know fallen to asleep a bunch of times waking them up would be core so you have to but you can't really just kickstart them and get them up to dance either but you have to bring energy into that room so if you if you don't build that strong enough, you mm. won't you won't win them over, and they may just carry on in the mood that they were in. Okay, so that's another mm. issue. Um, if you were there and you're in the middle, say you've gone like twenty minutes, and you're like, I'm not getting the reactions that I believe I would or whatever. Mm. Again, don't make assumptions. But if that is the case, you can do things like a, um, a stand-up exercise where they get to do a discussion, two and two, and then they get to interact in something. So those usually at least get the carbon dioxide flowing and the oxygen flowing in their system. So that can help. Mm. And those are a couple of spontaneous things I can think of that you can do. Yeah. Well, I, I guess if if you're just doing a talk just presenting a subject and when i'm what i mean with that is you're just talking and you have your powerpoint but you haven't prepared any spices or interactions or anything yeah so a thing to take with you to the next time would probably be to if you feel that it, this is non-reactive yeah and you have a setting again you have mm-hmm. another possibility mm-hmm. to to view your presentation and actually try to to add in a couple of more things in spices uh, yes yeah, spices Spice. in, in in the in the presentation yeah absolutely what is spices well uh, spices are different it's a set of tools to use to uh, increase engagement interactivity 
uh, and attention in in your presentation. Yeah. Like a race of hands telling a story, uh, using whiteboard or a flip chart or your PowerPoint. Cool. How many are there? One hundred and thirty-six. Something in my throat. How many spices are there, Lucas? 136, David. That's a lot of spices. It is. And I I haven't made the rules. I just read the book. All right. The book isn't out yet, which isn't out yet. I'm writing that day, one day. But Mm. for Mm. now, we've just got this periodic table with 136 different variations. Key is add those. See to that they're in there at least like every 30 seconds, every one minute. Mm. And you will get people who, at least then you know, That's I think that's what I love. As long as you spice your presentation, you know that they will be engaged yeah. if they are engaged. Yeah, well, that's a thought I had in my mind that, fine, you have a silent audience and it can be due to all these things. Yeah. And a, a thing with me is I know that I'm fine if I know that I've done everything to my capability. Yeah. So if I know that I knew the subject, I didn't lose track, I didn't talk about stuff that were mm. irrelevant or made no sense. I actually did a good job according yeah. to to what I wanted to deliver. If I've done that and they were silent, I should be okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's good. Mm. I like that. So maybe the combination in here would be see to that you've spiced it so you created the foundation for attention mm. and interest mm. and then have fun. Yeah. If you combine those two. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. in my example where we started off this conversation, I know I did not plan any spices. Yeah. I was focused on what I wanted to talk about, in what order I wanted to talk about it and make it relevant and interesting. Um, But I forgot about adding Mm. spices into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, considering it's one of the most popular parts of Presenter Mastery and you've been doing that for a year now, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the spices that you'll be adding, inc- yeah. including the guitar song about funnels. The funnel song. <laughs> the funnel song will be delivered on Friday. You know, it, it will be a one-hour presentation on spices, and <laughs> if you learn something from it, we'll yeah. see. But it will be fun. <laughs> There's um, something I've also picked up lately in regards to this, and it it's a saying that goes like this. Shift expectation to appreciation. Shift expectation to appreciation. Don't expect, appreciate. And uh, I I learned that, you know, literally seven years ago or something like that. But I haven't started using it until this year. And it's so powerful, man. Mm. It is so powerful. When you're on stage, when I'm on stage now, like I was in LA now. Uh, instead of asking myself, you know, what do I expect out of this? What do I expect out of myself? I just went to, how can I appreciate just getting the opportunity to be here? Appreciate being with them. Um, and the beautiful thing with that is that appreciation is so relaxing as a state that it puts you into such a relaxing state. And the reason you want to be in a relaxing state or in a fun state is because that's where your brain works at its best. That's like giving your brain 100% capacity. Here you go, brain. Function at your best. Whilst nervousness and anxiety goes, I will only give you 20% access to your brain now. 
because the rest will be used to pump blood into your veins and muscles in case you need to hit something. 20%. That means that will remove vocabulary and short-term memory. And yeah, we'll also remove uh, saliva from your mouth. Yes, that's a great idea. Let's do that. You don't want to go there. Mm. No. Appreciation. Fun. Good mental states. Activate. Saliva. In mouth again. Hmm. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was a good conversation. And uh, I, uh, for anyone listening, just... If you're like me and find it hard with silent audiences, just make sure that you're having fun. Plan a couple of spices in your presentation. And if they're still silent, then maybe it's not you. Maybe it's them. Appreciate it, man. And I am sorry about the bunny. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) 